question when you're asked, how do you like your beef? How do you answer? Normally, I say medium rare, but uh, actually, people might be asking you sooner rather than later, do you want an old-style cow or 3D printed? Yes, believe it or not, there is a company that claims that they can actually 3D print beef. Let's welcome in our wellness expert, Laura DeSantis. You can follow her on Instagram at Go With Your Gut, and she joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Laura, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. All right, first of all, explain this. This is a bit of a head scratcher. This uh, company, they're based in Israel. They call themselves Redefine Meat, and they claim that they can 3D print beef. Yeah, I I can't wrap my head around this. Like, I'm even trying to think um, when I read the article that you sent me about. You can have something that tastes like meat and mimics like meat, but you just use this little cartridge, like an espresso-style cartridge, and you put it in this machine, and it's going to create a steak or a chicken fillet that tastes like the real deal. I don't know. To me, I'm a little bit concerned because, or maybe I'm just old school when I think about my meat and traditional, like, chicken or chicken breast or a steak, what that's going to look like on my plate. For me, I understand why a lot of people are saying this could be a step in the right direction if you want to go more flexitarian where you have meat once in a while or if you want to adopt a more plant-based lifestyle. But a lot of people are telling me, and it even looks like when I was reading some of these articles about 3D printed meat, that it's a step in the right direction because it reduces CO2 emissions um, that we get from cows. And cows require a lot of water and they deplete the land. So from an environmental perspective, this could be a step in the right direction. But my biggest concern is how about from a nutritional um, you know, standpoint, how about from our overall health? Is this something where we're going to get all the essential vitamins and minerals that we need? Uh, we don't get all of that, obviously, when we consume meat, but we do get some essential vitamins and minerals. So I'm really curious you know, how this is going to look, how it's going to play out, if people will actually really like this. What do you think? Yeah, well, you know, I'm a little confused as well because, uh, and I'm just reading some of the marketing material here where, again, as you just referenced, they say it's similar to a, a Keurig in which uh, they build meat layer by meat layer from either plant or lab-produced animal cells that results in full pieces of meat. And my concern is similar to yours and whether or not this truly, if we ingest this, if it's a good thing to have inside our bodies to uh, consume. But then when I look at traditional beef, shouldn't we be as equally concerned about, uh, you know, some of the antibiotics that, that are being used. Exactly, exactly. So what, I mean, what are the lesser of the two evils? I'm not really sure. I think a lot more research needs to be done around this 3D printed style type of meat. Um, and a lot of it, similar to Beyond Meat and a lot of these vegan burgers that we're seeing, a lot of these uh, 3D style kind of printed cartridges, if you want to call them, contain pea and rice protein. And a lot of people are actually allergic to pea protein. It's something that we've discussed on the show before with... Um, these plant-based burgers that mimic the look and feel and the texture and the taste of meat. So I'm curious about that, but me as nutritionist, I mean, I don't know what benefits we're going to get out of eating a 3D printed meat. I'm really curious to see, is this something that can be sustainable? And then who are the audiences that people can really, that we can give this type of meat to? Is it for mass consumers? Is this more for um, young children? Is this more for elderly people? So these are things that I think we should be asking ourselves these questions. And then when is this all going to roll out?
Here's so what I'm wondering. You know, a hundred okay. years from now, uh, when people listen back to the show, because uh, we tape these things and send them immediately to the Smithsonian, every one of uh, our shows. A uh, hundred years from now, are they going to be listening back to what we're talking about right now and laughing at us going, I can't believe people actually ate animals. Uh, here we are I just know. printing all of our food off. Uh, I mean, are we going to be uh, looking like uh, we're just uh, caught in a time warp or an old school thinking? Maybe I'm. I'm sure they're going to think we're crazy. But I also want to know, like, how's this going to affect our overall digestion? I mean, food is so like we're so connected around food. It's something that everyone can relate to. It's something that we can always that we need to depend on. Not that we always, but we need it to depend on. So this kind of changes the game for the food industry and how we view food for who knows how long. So you're right. When I think of this and we're talking about this, I think of um, I don't know why I think of like Jetsons or something like Space Odyssey or yeah. astronauts. <laughs> I feel like it's really out of this world. We're here with Laura DeSantis, our uh, nutritionist and uh, wellness uh, expert. Also uh, this week, Laura, we want to talk about fermented foods, which has uh, mm. been the rage for a little while now. Things like a yogurt, of course, and uh, kombucha, mm. which has been steadily growing in popularity the past uh, few years. But are fermented foods, uh, are they truly healthy for us? So there's pros and cons. I think sometimes there's overkill when it comes to fermented foods, and most people aren't aware of what they actually do, and sometimes they can cause serious health issues. So uh, with fermented foods, they're loaded with microorganisms, and they're loaded with live bacteria. As well, they include yeast, and the yeast is known as probiotic. But a lot of people, if they already consume a lot of sugar, eating a lot of fermented products which contain sugar can increase candida or and or increase yeast in our bodies. So one thing that I always tell people to be cautious of, and Jeff, I'm not sure if you've tried this or not, but it's a really big, um, and it's a popular drink, is kombucha. Yeah, you know what, sorry to interrupt, but I was on the kombucha train a couple of years ago, and I was having, honestly, one a day for a little while, and uh, uh, again, as you say, TMI, a lot of bloating, (laughs) a lot of (laughs) gas issues, and I I had to get off it, because I I think your body, like anything, can only take so much fermented uh, food. That's right. So kombucha, I would like I like to call it as everyone's favorite health drink. It's one of those drinks where you have to read the label, though. And some kombucha is actually more sugar than soda. So a lot of people don't realize that. And because of this fermentation process, because of the excess sugar and calorie intake, that can lead to a lot of bloating and gas and belching and feeling uncomfortable. Um, so we want to avoid or we want to read the labels, especially when it comes to kombucha. When it comes to yogurt as well, again, it's loaded with sugar. Um, sugar feeds bad bacteria in our gut. And again, we're going to get that bloating, the gas, sometimes for constipation. And then again, it's made usually with conventional cow's milk. So there are alternatives for yogurt. There's uh, goat, sheep, and even coconut milk. So Um, try to add those into your diet if you do really like the fermented foods. But I always like to start small and then add more to my diet. So I think people just eat a lot at once. They think this is really great for us and they get an upset stomach. But they need to ask themselves, you know, were they incorporating any fermented foods in their diet before? And if you have yeast or parasites or if your immune system is faulty or if you have something called leaky gut where there's an imbalance in your gut, it wouldn't be the best option to start with having sauerkraut or kombucha or kimchi. 
So I always, again, there's no TMI on this show, at least when I'm on. So I always (laughs) like to tell people, if you feel like you want to introduce fermented foods into your diet um, and you're not sure where you're at in terms of if you have bad bacteria or a bacteria imbalance, it's to see your doctor and to do a stool test. So check out your poop. I know it sounds weird, but it can definitely tell you a lot about where you are. It can tell you if you have an imbalance of flora, if you have a lot of inflammation in the body, if your immune system is faulty. It sounds really weird, I know, but like I said, there's a lot we can tell from our poop and even from our urine. We can learn so much from our poo. Uh, we right? will leave it there for this week. Uh, <laughs> Laura, pleasure as always. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. Happy Thursday. All right. Laura DeSact is our wellness expert. Follow her on Instagram at Go With Your Gut.